You say dinner to most folks, and what do they think? They think, how am I going to get food into people's mouths while they're going to soccer or while they're watching TV or while they're playing in the computer, while they're sitting at their desk, while they're checking their phone? We've got so many more wiles added to that than when we were kids. Dinner's supposedly that much harder to have, but it turns out all you need is a little shove. And today's guest, Dr. Annie Fischel, will help us with that shove. Welcome back to Shrinking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Gene Bresson. And I'm Steve Schlossman. And today we have a guest. A returning guest. A returning guest yeah. uh, who I've known for a really long time, uh, Dr. Ann Fischel. And we can say with confidence that anyone that you've known for a long time, you've known longer than I've known, but I've also known her for a long time. Yes, we both have. Yeah. And she is Director of Couples and Family Therapy in our Fair Department of Psychiatry at Mass General. And Annie? And thank you so much for inviting me back. Um, I'm also the co-founder and the executive director of the Family Dinner Project. Which is amazing. I'm just going to throw that in here right now. Not because we've got, we just happen to have, you know, one of the, the founders of this program here. But it actually literally changed the way I spend time with my family in the evenings and brought me back to what I really enjoyed growing up. So... How did it change? How did it change you and your family? It's really straightforward, and this is why it's so fascinating to me that it took an initiative to get me there, like, like Dr. Fischel's initiative. We, we sit down and we eat. I, I put food on the table. Like, I, I take the food that I've cooked, and I put it in a bowl, and then I put that bowl on the table, and then I put plates on the table, and we all sit down, and we just kind of run the day. And now, you know, one daughter's off at college, but the other one's home, and of course she didn't want to do this. She wants to go do her homework or watch TV or something. And I just say, like, taking a cue from what I've been taught, I just need 10 minutes, 12 minutes. But then it lasts longer. And it's makes, it, it just puts a seal on the day in such a sweet way. I really like it. I love that story. I mean, for some families like yours, it just takes the intention, just the commitment. And then everything kind of unfolds from there. And other families need a little bit more help. And so the, the Family Dinner Project was really um, developed, well, it was developed 10 years ago, and the idea behind it was to help families, more families, harness all the benefits of family dinner um, and to use it as an opportunity to connect through food, fun, and conversation about things that matter. And, you know, most parents, when they're asked, say, yeah, dinner sounds like a really good idea. It's, it sounds like the most reliable time of the day that we could all gather. We're all so busy, but we could do a mealtime. But then it turns out that only 30 to 40 percent of families are actually having dinner. And so the idea of the Family Dinner Project was to make it an easier lift, to take this simple idea that turns out not to be such an easy idea 
because of being so busy and overscheduled and technology and all kinds of things. And, and you get pushback. And you get pushback. Yeah, from yeah. everybody, from, yeah. from yourself right. even. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you're like, I got stuff to do. Why am I shopping here? But, Why but now yeah. we actually have, and I want to just make a plug for, it, for yeah. Andy's new book, uh, Eat, Laugh, Talk. The Family Dinner Playbook, which actually gives a guide. So when families are struggling with, you know, how do I get started? You know, why is this, you know, what do I do next? Like, what do I do first? How do I get these kids to the table? Can we do takeout? I mean, there are all these questions that families might have. Um, and here we have a guide how to do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think... I, that's the hope that the <laughs> the book is based on ten years of talking to thousands of families across the country, all kinds of families, three generational families, and single parents, and parents of uh, infants, and parents of teenagers and young adults, and um, and no matter how different the families are, we keep hearing the same obstacles. Uh, the kids are too picky. It's, I don't like to cook. Uh, there's too much conflict once I go to the trouble of cooking, so wh why bother? We're just too busy. This, our schedules don't sync up. And so what we did in this book was to um, kind of crowdsource all the great ideas and tips that families have come up with to work around these common obstacles. And in the book, we tell their stories, and then we also share 52 weeks of great recipes that are pretty easy, although kind of innovative, some of them, um, and games to play at the table and conversation starters. So, so let me just ask you a question, because, you know, uh, uh, for some families, um, the kids are going to push back. Sure. You know, there's going to be the eye roll or that, like, whatever, or, you know, there's just going to be potentially resistance of one kind or I, I suspect also that the parents sometimes let the kids push back. Like, like I think because it, it makes it easier for yeah, them to in just, a, just, in just in let, a, let things go. Not entirely unconscious way, but a, like a kind of less than conscious way. It's like, ugh, it's so much trouble. It's really less trouble than you think, first of all, but it feels like so much trouble. But let's say there's yeah. resistance, whether it's on the part of the parents or the kids. So, yeah. I, I, so can so, I tell you a story yeah, that's in the book about a... <laughs> Uh, a single dad named Scott who had his three sons for the weekends. He, he was divorced. And he desperately wanted to have dinner with them. He, he thought that would be a really good way to bond with them. And they just as desperately wanted none of it. So they would scarf down their food and then they would go back to their room to, to be on the computer. And he, didn't, he, he just didn't know what to do. And then inspiration struck. And he said, come to the kitchen, just humor me this one night. I want to try something with you. And he said, we're going to make uh, pasta with ratatouille, and then we're going to eat it while we watch the film Ratatouille. Oh, this guy speaks my language. Yeah, and yeah. so they did that. And lo and behold, you know, the, the kids were kind of interested in this, and they talked about how their version of Ratatouille compared with the film version and sometimes he would turn the sound off and they would try to guess what was being said on film and during the dinner he asked them to be uh, film critics and to um, talk about different scenes and what he what they thought worked and what didn't 
And it was this fabulous dinner, which he said, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. You know, they were so into their computers, so he decided to kind of bring technology to the table. And that kick-started the family dinner. So, and then probably they moved to a place where they didn't need the movie every it. time. No, exactly. Right. They didn't need it every time. Yeah, it's, it, but it's a cool thing. I think people hear that, if well, we're going to have family dinner. A lot of kids hear that as there will be a serious discussion. Right. Like, or we need to talk about plans. Or you'll be plans. quizzed. That was my husband's dinner table. There was, like, math quizzes at the dinner really? table. Yeah, oh, it was just wow. awful. Oh. <laughs> and then shaming if they didn't get the right answer. And He must have loved dinner. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> so wait, so wait, this is your husband. So how did you husband, get yeah. him to agree to have dinner with your kids, given that he grew up with that legacy? So, uh... And I'm sorry, I don't mean to out him no, in any way. No, yeah. no, it's, it's fine. So, um, when our second son was born, he, my husband gave up smoking. And I thought to myself, what can I do... This is not going to come out right, but what can I do to give him some oral pleasure... Given that, <laughs> what what could possibly be wrong with how people will hear that? I I have no idea what you're talking about, Doctor Fischel. Keep just keep talking. So I thought, what can I do? And I thought, I know, I can at least make one great meal for him. Oh, a, a night, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I had you know two boys under the age of three, and they were you know I was working, but they were, I would find time to make dinner, and they would be puttering around in the kitchen. I had a cabinet for them with their own pots and pans. And then they would come to the sink. They would help wash the lettuce, and they would pull the leaves off the basil. And it turned out that anything they had their little grubby hands on, they then wanted to eat. So they became very adventurous eaters. And dinner was really a lot of fun. They would sit. They would hang out with us. And my husband really enjoyed the the good meal that I would make each night. And from there, we were kind of off and running. So um, one of the things that I've heard both in the story of the Ratatouille and yours is fun. Fun. Fun and play. Yeah. So so it's, so is that that's a common denominator for... for, for and, and people can be innovative, but it's play, it has to be playful. doesn't have to be playful, but you're absolutely right. That's a, that's a big component. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what... That's part of the secret sauce of a great family dinner. You know, it, you're blessed if you have somebody in your family who's a great cook and, and makes a fabulous dinner. But you could have wonderful family dinners and have totally mediocre Meals. I, I, I make tacos. <laughs> it's really hard to screw up tacos. <laughs> like, 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 it's like pizza. Even if it's bad. Yeah, but for, but the secret sauce is what happens once the food right. comes to the table. Ghost. So my daughter loves playing ghost. That's that is, a great. I that's forgotten her about ghost. Favorite. My yeah. my fourteen year old daughter, and as she you know progresses in her education, the words get more sophisticated, and and that'll get her through dinner. Like like she loves it. But in the meantime, we'll also sort of just run the day. Yeah. But not in any kind of like quizzy way, but just like, how was your day? Like, yeah. what are you proud of today? So, What's happening? Yeah, I mean, some kids just floodgates open when yeah. you say, how was your day? And some kids, you get a monosyllabic answer. Right. Um, and so, you know, we've heard from families about ways to to elicit stories that are easier than just asking a direct question, like saying, tell me two truths and a tall tale or two truths and a lie yeah. about your day. And we'll go around the table, and everybody will do that. And that sort of levels the playing field and elicits stories beyond right. a monosyllabic so, answer. So in, in your book, you have uh, conversation starters. Yeah. Which, which is, or 
intros. Right. So that's so this is an example of an intro. Yeah, I mean, that might be an example of a game. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, an example of a conversation starter. Um, I'm thinking about one that's around uh, picky eaters. So there are all kinds of um, ideas about workarounds, hacks for picky eaters. Um, and then there, I remember there's one conversation starter that's all about asking your kids about choice. Because one reason that kids can be selective about their food is it's one area of their lives that they can exert a little bit of control. Um, and so the, the uh, conversation starters are kind of opening that up and asking about choice beyond food choice. But, you know, like if you could rename your pets or yourself or your stuffed animals, what names would you give them? Or if you um, had to eat only one food for the rest of your life, what would that be? Or um, <laughs> if you could pack your own, if you could make your own lunch every day, what would you bring? Oh, actually, those are yeah, all food examples. Another one, but, my daughter yeah. loves because she's, my younger one, because she's mischievous, and she'll, she'll ask, if you had to eat 10 pounds of cantaloupe or 10 pounds of, like, two things she likes, or of yeah. raspberries, which one would you do? And then she'll keep up the ante where it's like 10 pounds of slugs versus 10 pounds of, you know, snail poop or something. And So this is the, uh, this is Would You Rather. Yes, it's right? exactly like, that, and, which is the this name is of a horror film, by the way. But Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> as you can imagine. <laughs> um, yeah, that's one of our our go-to games at community dinners when we, really? we uh, host these big community dinners at um, uh, clinics and after-school programs and homeless shelters and libraries and firehouses, and we bring together anywhere from five to 50 families, and we cook together and we eat and we play games, and Would You Rather is one of the our favorite games to play at community dinners. Can, can anyone just, sh- like, how do these community uh, we dinners... Get it, we usually get invited. We always get invited by a community yeah. organization, YMCA... Uh, I just did one uh, in the Needham Public Schools. Um, and then there's an invitation that goes out to, to that community. And um, there's either they come for free or there's a nominal fee for the, the food. Um, but, yeah, they've been, they're a lot of fun. And, and it's at that, those community dinners that I've actually uh, learned a lot of these creative playful, innovative games and workarounds, because we also do a little parent workshop within the community dinner where we ask the parents, what's going well? What, what, what are your challenges when it comes to family dinner? And then whatever the challenges are, let's share, why don't you all share what your workarounds are with one another to solve these common obstacles? And then I'm furiously writing them down and using them to pass along to the next group of, of families or incorporating them in, so, in this book. So, so to go back to what Steve was asking about, what if the parents are resistant? So what, what, what suggestions would you make for parents that are just feeling so strapped and so overwhelmed and there's just not enough time and how am I going to engage my kids and play with them when I'm, I just don't have time to do anything. Yeah. No less make dinner. Right. Well, th- there are a couple of things I would say. To one family recently, um, I said, why don't you not really worry about the food? I mean, why don't you pick just one night a week and have takeout? And here's a conversation, here's a jar 
with a whole bunch of whimsical conversation starters in it. Why don't you just try that at your dinner table and see how that goes? I guess my general um, pitch would be to say, start small, set one goal, forget about it being perfect. Doesn't have to be made from scratch. It doesn't have to be organic tomatoes. Um, and pick one thing that you would like to improve. Maybe if you're having dinner once a month, you want to have dinner twice a month. If you're having dinner and there's no conversation at all, maybe you'd like to flip through the book or look on our website and come up with a couple of conversation starters and try those and see mm -hmm. how it goes. I mean, I, I guess the most revelatory thing when I was talking to you about, I remember when you were getting this project off the ground yeah. uh, with all the other co-founders, and you and I said, I don't have the time to do this. I, I just, yeah. you know, because like everybody, and you said, 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that was, it was either you or Tristan I was talking yeah. to, a, a colleague of ours who yeah. was part of this. That's all you need to ask for, just 10. And let them go after 10. Right. And I was like, 10, 10 minutes. I mean, 10, 10 minutes, just Sit the down whole at the table, yeah. the whole dinner, just 10 minutes. Wow. And I was like, I can... That's a, that's, that's a goal food. I can reach. But it didn't, this is the thing. It's like a ruse, right? Yeah. Like yeah. It, you say 10 minutes, no one sets a timer or anything. Right. And it, even it, if you did set a timer, yeah. people want to stick around. Families right. usually, I mean, not. It's, I don't want to be too Pollyannish no, about it. No, Sometimes there's tension a, in families. it has a snowballing it, effect. Yeah. If yeah. it goes well once, then families are more likely to want to do it again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing it got me thinking about is, it sort of put me in nostalgia land. It, I grew up in a in the '80s, but in the Midwest, so it was more like growing up in the, in this like maybe very conservative '60s because it was a little bit further behind. I can remember every dish every day of the week, and it was it there was like a, a like a, there, a routine. There was, there a, was routine. a routine in my house. Too. Yeah, there was Cornish hen. Yep. There was uh, always chicken on Friday night, steak on Sunday nights, brisket yeah, on the, the high holidays. I know because it's the same. We're the same people. <laughs> it's uh, but it's it was such a. I didn't mind the routine. See, that's people think. Well, it gets so boring if you're having the Cornish. You know, was it the same time besides the same food? Uh, well, because my dad was a doctor and he got home when he got home. Times. It was it was you know varying in that way. But when we were little, when my sister and I were little, my mom would make us something to hold us until my dad got home. Yeah, that's but smart. Then, mine too. Yeah, yeah. That's mine too. Very, and that's then a, we'd all. That's we a pretty much, as I remember, we pretty much had it the same time. Or, kind of the same time every day as well. And, but there was, there was definitely, I mean, the table was there, the food would come out, and it was time for us to all sit down. But I, I've heard people push back at the routine, saying, oh, it gets boring or it gets stale. So my kids pulled, pushed back. Yeah. They, um, they did not like to see the same food any more frequently than once every three weeks. Well, that's tough. Wow. Yeah. But they were and adventurous eaters. They were adventurous eaters, but they were also, uh, there was like having Sam Sifton in your family. I mean, they were restaurant <laughs> critics. And when <laughs> the older one was 13, Jeez. I think, and the younger was 11, I'd had it. And I went on strike. I was not, not too proud of this. Um, I said, you know, I'm doing the best I can, and this is just too much pressure to be coming up with new menu every night and then and then you critique it so if you want me back in the kitchen we've got to come up with some different strategies and so we hammered out a new plan they started to make meat which we hadn't ever had in the in the family but they would cook kind of a side of meat which they and their that their dad really enjoyed 
and we had an agreement that if it was a new dish, they could tell me whether they ever wanted to see it again, and it could go into the rotation, and they could give some positively constructed feedback, and otherwise we were on to other topics. We were not going to spend too much time discussing the food. Um, so that's a great. But, I like the idea of you going. Did you actually like have a picket sign? <laughs> did you march her <laughs> and say like no more dinner? I'm trying to think of the rhyme. Yeah, I, yeah. It, it only went on for two nights, but maybe by the third, that's I a lot. I would have. I would have got two nights a sign to go. Out. Yeah. Two nights with Cheerios and milk, and then they demand that you would come. That's how I remember it. They demanded that I come back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> come back to the bargaining table. <laughs> so, so Thanksgiving's coming up. Yeah. We make a big deal. I mean, this is, you know, in Mother. Canada, they have it, what, a month ago on, like, on Columbus Day. Is right. when, but, but we know that in North America, this is a big one. Right. I what's call your, it the mother of all family Yeah, so what's your, I actually get a little intimidated by it. Uh, like, like we're, this year, we're, it's just my nuclear family. But still, uh, like my, my older daughter's coming home from college. She's very much a food critic. I've been doing a lot of the cooking lately, so some of this on my shoulders. I'm going to get it wrong. So, like, if any advice, or, like, what do I, how do we sort of run interference on this? Well, I think as with family dinner, it's, I mean, you have to obviously put effort into the food, but you also might want to think about what you're going to do at the dinner table that might be interesting. Like distract or, them. So if it's not good, you're, you're suggesting a distraction. A distraction. It's, yeah, I like that. Okay. But, yeah, there's so much expectation on Thanksgiving yeah. And in, invariably pressure. the turkey is dry or the cranberry sauce is too bitter or it's something too tart, is, yes. yeah, is, is something that doesn't quite work out. Um, and then, I don't know, for me, it's always a little wistful. It's when I, you know, really notice that my parents aren't there. And this year, you know, my older son is with his uh, wife's family, um, which is, you know, positive and wistful. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really a marker of change in a family. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel the same. I mean, I, it's harder when, when your kids grow up than have their own family. So I, I know that at least two out of my four are not going to be there. The other thing that, that, that we've done traditionally at Thanksgiving that's kind of been at, in some ways, the ritual has always been... Um, we, but everybody knew that the time was going to come when we would go around the table and talk about what we were grateful for. Mm. Um, and that, that was, in some ways, and nothing is as important as the food, but that came close. Yes. And after dinner, we all would sing together. We'd all be, go around the piano and play music and sing music. So the ritual, the mm. rituals wasn't just producing great food. It was a it was bigger than that. Yes, I and, love that. And and, yeah. and 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 that when I think about Thanksgiving, yeah, uh, uh, I I don't think about the food as much as I think about the the comments that people would make about gratitude. Always, who's missing at the table? Yes, it always would come up. Yeah, um, as it as it should. As yeah. it should, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and music. Mm. So, but but it, it's very much in line with your book. You know, that brings me to another question, and I'd love your thoughts on this. Lots of people I know, both friends, patients, colleagues, are anxious this Thanksgiving, have been anxious about family gatherings. You know where I'm going with this, because people are very tribal these days, and and they're sort of taking their sides, and families don't always agree. 
I mean, I have the tips I give folks, but I'm curious what you say to that, because this is a time where things can go well, but can also really go awry. Right. Yeah, I've been giving a lot of thought to this. Um, and I, I have a couple of, of ideas. Uh, one is an idea I came up with in 2016 when I was... Why wor- that year? <laughs> <laughs> when Jeez. I was worried about the partisan uh, sniping that might devolve at my Thanksgiving table. And so I came up with a game to play, which I've played every year and now is sort of, it's not quite music, but it's part of our ritual. And I call it the hat game. I put a hat at the door with post-its and each year I have a different prompt that I ask guests to write an answer to anonymously on the post-it and put it in the hat. And one year it was, what character in a children's book did you most identify with as a child? Or if you're a child, what, char- yeah. what right. character do you admire So everyone most? had the same question. Same but- question. Or what was your favorite toy? Or what is your favorite toy? Or who do you wish were coming to dinner tonight, dead or alive, famous or not? What animal would you like to be? Anyway, and then I bring the hat to the table and pull out the post-its and people try to guess which goes to which (laughs) answer. And it's really nice because it means we have one table-wide conversation for a few minutes that is just outside political affiliation. It doesn't matter how old you are. Um, It just kind of unifies the whole big table. So... That, that's one idea. That's great. Another like um, that. uh, is kind of a tip based on uh, Downton Abbey, where they pivot to their partner on the left, and then they're told to pivot to their partner on the right. So sort of taking uh, off from that, uh, saying after the first course, why don't we switch seats so that you, everybody gets a chance to talk to somebody else, um, which can interrupt could possibly interrupt a, a conversation that was going awry. So that would be another idea. Um, and then maybe taking your prerogative as a host and sending a preemptive email ahead of time, sort of setting the tone, you know, I'm really looking forward to this Thanksgiving and I'm looking forward to f- focusing on the great food and what we're grateful for and catching up with you all. and. Um, you know, maybe hoping we'll keep politics off the table or... Um, literally. Literally, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I would say that's what I've heard most people most worried about. I mean, it's, it's the obvious thing. It's not like a revelation to right. say that. But those, those sound like great suggestions. I love the idea of the, um, the question at the door because you have a unifying feature yes. when they sit down. Yeah. So right. even if they're feeling divided, you, you sit down at the table and everyone's got this thing in common. right. Um, it's that's uh, gosh I wish we'd done that at like Passover Seder's when I was a kid because <laughs> we were always arguing <laughs> so, although I think that was but how you're, we so you're supposed to argue yes yeah, right. that was for, how we for, showed for Passover, right. Right. yeah that was right. our well just every meal it was, it was like talking over everybody I um I'm, I'm inspired the book's cool um, the book is great we have it right here the it's book is great. beautiful uh, the pictures are beautiful the tips in it are amazing um, I, this is a bold fla- faced plug for it, oh, but good. also just to get folks to um, well, it's useful. It's, a, well, it's it's and it's like ten years worth of 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 of, of iterative knowledge. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. And ten I, years of knowledge. Right. That's amazing. And I want people to know <laughs> that it's not 
it is not the burden that we imagine it is. No. And like many burdens, the biggest burden is actually getting over the hump of trying to do it, right? right. Like, yeah. like just get started. 10 minutes once a month, right? A bowl of rice and some tortillas. Like, like <laughs> right. can't mess Start that up. small. Right. Yeah. Yep. And don't aim for perfection. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and try to have fun. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. The play. The play is fun. We don't play enough, I think. Um, and there's so few things that we can do that use our hands and our senses now that our lives have gotten so much more virtual. Uh, and for me, Thanksgiving, the f- my favorite part is cooking with a lot of people in the kitchen, which is a kind of play. It's a very me. visceral thing. It too, is, isn't it? Yeah. Like, like there's textures and, yes. and smells yes. and, and it's cold out so people come in and their cheeks are red yeah. and then you like <laughs> the turkey it's I, I love it yeah. I, I love that part I do remember the Thanksgiving when my uh, younger daughter who now will not eat um, uh, red meat looked at the she, she's gone back to poultry but looked at the turkey and realized that it was once a bird Oh, like it had yeah. never occurred to her. Right. She was like five, and we <laughs> stupidly tried to tell her, "No, no, it wasn't a bird." And she said, "Come on." She was like five years old. She's like, "That was a bird. It had a face." I'm not eating anything that had a face. One of my daughters wouldn't eat a bird either. I mean, for for a long time, they they eventually find their way back. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, oh but, yeah, she found uh, her way back. Yeah. Oh. Well, thank you very much. This is this has been great, and I really do hope. Uh, folks will, you know, get this book and, and, and make dinners in something playful. Oh, well, thank you so much for, for having me and giving me a chance to talk about Eat, Laugh, Talk. And if folks that are listening uh, want to kind of uh, write in, uh, send us a note, uh, send us, an, a, send us I a, story, a story. I want to hear a yeah. story. What's, How you what's broke story? bread with your family. Wait, what, what, yeah. what was your family? How did you begin to have family's dinners? And yeah. let, us, let us know. Or if you haven't been able to, what stopped you? Yeah. Maybe that we can help. Great. Yeah. Thanks. Well, thanks, everybody. Uh, I'm Gene Bresson. And thank you, Annie. Thank I'm you Steve Schlossman. Oh, sorry. I, t- I spoke over Annie. No. Annie, go ahead. No. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> everybody take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'll do it. <laughs> dinner. <laughs> Who's coming for dinner? <laughs> <laughs>